Cancer Pants Podcast gives voice to cancer thrivers and caregivers from all walks of life. Together in these conversations, we'll explore the thoughts, feelings, and experiences with those who have been touched by cancer. I'm your host, Rochelle Trudeau. I am a cancer thriver of 12 years, and I believe that sharing our stories is a vital part of our healing. The storytelling in this podcast is meant to encourage, provide insight, and inspire those whose lives have been touched by cancer. Welcome to Cancer Pants. I'm glad you are here. So I had this amazing conversation with Jordana Edelstein. She is such a beautiful person and an amazing daughter um, to her mom who um, went through cancer. And she and I had two different conversations because of technical difficulties. So I wanted to let you know that in advance that there might be a couple of repeats of information, but it's all really great. And she shares her beautiful perspective of being a daughter and a caregiver. So why don't you start off just telling us a little bit about, a little bit about who you are? Sure. You yeah. So thank you again for having me. Um, it's yeah. really, I think this is such an amazing space you've created for, um, for these types of stories and experiences. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Um, so I am a nutrition coach and a mom and I live in New Jersey and I, the, the work I do is really kind of centered around my own or based off of, or born out of really, um, my mm-hmm. own personal struggles with food and body image and exercise over the course of my life. Um, struggling with a lot of disordered eating, um, really having a hard time coming to terms with my body and finding acceptance and comfort in it. And so, but I have, I have done all that work. And so now that is the work that I do with other people, um, really helping people understand how to use food to feel great, to understand what, uh, nutrition is and understand how your body responds to food, um, working on behavior changes that help you shift away from the all or nothing mindset and the binge restrict cycle and a lot of these sort of extreme behaviors that we have around food Um, and really helping people find more comfort and peace and acceptance for their body. Um, Sometimes that does come along with fat loss and sometimes it does not. Um, But it's really about connecting to what you're feeling and understanding like what helps you show up as your best self and less about a lot of the external stuff around us, clothing sizes and numbers on the scale and, and all of that. And really learning how to develop like an internal compass, so to speak. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. When it comes to food and exercise and all of that. Um, So that, that's the work I do. I'm a mom to a nine-year-old little boy and to a 13-year-old Wheaton Terrier. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was our first child, so I just figured I would include that. Right, and, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, and and I am the daughter of a cancer survivor. Yeah. So that's really, you know, what we're kind of here to talk about. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for telling us about the work that you do, because I think that, you know, 
nutrition is super important in a cancer thriver's life um, mm-hmm. to many cancer thrivers, not everyone, but I think that's something that um, especially moms who go through cancer, who struggle with, you know, feeding their children, or I shouldn't just say moms, but parents who, who go and feed, you know, need to feed their families and, but also are worried about reoccurrence and things like that. So they have that extra stress on them. And I know that that can be something that can be hard to navigate. So anyone out there looking for someone for support with this, Jordana is your person. Thank you. Her. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link to your website in the show notes. Awesome. So tell us about your mom. Sure. So my mom is awesome. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer on April 9th, 2018. And it came off of the heels of a very lengthy period of, I guess I'll just use the word illness and being and feeling unwell. And when she was diagnosed during a, a really big surgery, and it's interesting because we thought that surgery was kind of like the end. We thought that was going to be a big part of the resolution to what had been making her feel so sick for the last couple of years. And then they found cancer on it very unexpectedly. And it was then like the beginning of obviously that whole piece of it. So that was like a really challenging part of it. Um, obviously I think cancer is, it's never expected, but this one I think was a very unusual situation. Um, and she had been, so my mom had a, um, kind of an unusual form of ovarian cancer that actually came out of endometriosis. Endometriosis, if you're not familiar, is when the lining of your uterus grows outside of your uterus and then it's tissue that basically attaches itself all over the inside of your abdominal cavity, to your intestines, to your stomach, to your muscles, to your abdominal wall, to your kidney, to your ureters, to like all all these parts of your body. And it can be extremely painful um, and cause all type back pain, hip pain, abdominal pain, pelvic pain. Um, It's a really misunderstood disease that a lot of women suffer from. So I hope that this also brings a little bit of awareness to that. Um, endometriosis itself is not cancer, but it actually, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not trying to like explain anything, but from my experience, just learning. And I went to, I was a a primary caretaker for my mom before, during, and after this. So I went to a lot of doctors with her and learned a lot about it. Endometriosis behaves like cancer in that it kind of like attaches itself and causes a lot of problems. So, um, but the interesting thing about my mom is that she had had a full hysterectomy and what's called an oophorectomy, which is when they remove your ovaries like 20 years ago. So it's like, well, how can one have ovarian cancer if you don't have ovaries? This is like, we still don't fully understand why, whether she had a small piece of an ovary that was left behind, um, whether it was really just born out of the endometriosis, but it was classified as this type of, of tissue. Like it's nothing about it was clear cut which has like always been the case with, with my mom, like through this whole thing. Um, And she had been dealing with extreme life altering chronic pain for several years before this. Um, At one point we thought she needed a hip replacement and her doctor, she was scheduled for a hip replacement and her gut instincts 
was like, this is not right. I don't, and, and like on all of her imaging, like an MRI, it didn't show that her hip had like severe arthritis or that the, the joint like didn't look like it had had a lot of um, uh, deterioration, right. but the doctor's like, okay, yeah. you're having all this hip pain, like this must be the answer. Oh. <laughs> so good things he decided not to do it because the hip pain was the result of this um, mass of endometriosis and the location of where it was at, like very deep, oh. like into her pelvis was radiating mm -hmm. pain out to all these places. And throughout that whole process, when she was going to different PTs, different orthopedic doctors, urogynecologists, gynecologists, we finally ended up with an amazing doctor who specialized in endometriosis, who was literally like a godsend at the time. And then she connected us with like a team of other physicians and PTs and pain management people who really specialized kind of in this region of the body and understanding how pain can refer out to all different areas. Um, but what was so, what is such a challenge for me as I look at like the traditional medical system and what my mom experienced tenfold is how, and it's not really anyone's, well, it's the fault of like <laughs> some systemic stuff. I don't think it's the fault of any one doctor because they're doing their best, but most medical professionals look at you as a body part. They look at mm -hmm. you as the specialty with which is their specialty. So right. very hard to find a doctor who's going to look at you as a whole being and try to figure out how what you're feeling fits in with what's happening and linking together and creating like a story around you. Right. And it wasn't until we met her doctor who treated her for the endometriosis and did perform the surgery on her along with a whole other team. She was the one that did that, that started linking together things from my mom's like teenage years all the way through. And my mom at the time was, I guess, 67 or 68. Cause this was like, this part was like three, four years ago at this point. Well, actually probably four or five years ago. Um, and it's just, as a patient, we can't change that or as an advocate or a caretaker, but you can advocate for if it's you who's going through it or if it's a, a family member a friend or whoever it is in your life and whether it's cancer or not like to advocate and make sure that whoever you're working with is looking at you not just as like a hip or a heart or a knee mm -hmm. or a stomach but how is that then impacting everything else in your body because it is because our body is not parts it is an ecosystem that works in concert and what's happening in one part is 100 million thousand percent impacting what's happening in another part. Even if you don't think so, even if you don't want to believe that, even if your doctor tells you it's not true, it's true. Yeah. Talk, talk to your mom about that. Yeah. So again, like, again, I'll say like to cover my bases, your bases, this is not medical advice. This right, is just, right, right, right. This is just advocate for yourself and trust your right. gut instincts. Cause my mom actually, mm -hmm. She's really good. My mom has a good gut instinct, which told her not to have a hip replacement. Thank God. And she actually, during her treatment for cancer, switched doctors. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she, yeah, because she just felt like she wasn't getting the care she needed and she made the decision and, and found a phenomenal doctor who's now obviously continues her treatment, even though she's been in remission for a long time and is doing really well now. Um, yeah. but just to like rewind a little bit, um, just to kind of back what I first started with when she was the really kind of unique thing about her 
diagnosis, aside from it happening during the surgery that we thought was sort of like the quote fix for all of these problems, was that because there was no, there was like one conversation before the surgery with a doctor about cancer. And it was like, it's not going to be cancer. And even if it was, it would be this kind and we would just remove it and you wouldn't even need treatment. And so I just like, it, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a throwaway conversation almost. Right. So when my dad and I were in the waiting room and one of the doctors came out during the surgery to tell us that they had found, like when they finally, I mean, this is a very involved abdominal surgery, like into her pelvis. Um, and they can do, I didn't know this, but during a surgery, they can take um, like samples from the tissue and they can do, it's called mm-hmm. a frozen biopsy and they can get results back very quickly to see if yep. it's cancerous or not. So they did that during her surgery and they could see, they didn't, they don't, you don't get details about what type or anything, but you can see is it cancerous or not cancer. So they had done that and they came out to tell us. And I don't, that part is like kind of fuzzy, but the, the point of me sharing this is that my dad and I knew that my mom had cancer mm-hmm. for what ended up being around like 18 hours before she found out. Wow. Because she obviously had just gone through this huge surgery. And when mm-hmm. she got into recovery, you're not going to go and like, you're, you're out of it. Like you're totally, it takes, it takes a long time to come out of anesthesia. All she wanted, like she just, you know, she wanted to know like, was it okay? Did they get it out? Like, I just remember her saying like, well, you're very groggy after that. You're just thinking in terms of like, did they, did it work? Did they do what they were supposed to do? Like, that's kind of where your brain is at. Like I remember my son had his tonsils out earlier this year and he woke up and he was out of it and he just kept saying, is it over? Is it over? (laughs) It's like, you're just, it's like you're in like this primal state, I think. And so you're not in a position to like absorb news like that for quite a bit of time. So my dad and I had to stand there with her in the recovery room and just be like, yes, it was okay. It went fine. And you're you're alive. (laughs) Yeah, you're alive. And in my head, I'm like, but you have cancer. And I can't tell you that right now. And it was, I mean, it was just like, it was awful. And that was, that was at night, I think. I can't even remember now because I remember... She didn't, her doctor told her the next morning. I remember I went back, we were, we were in New York city and I had stayed over at the hospital with her in her room. And then I went back to the hotel in the morning to get changed. I went back to the hospital and her doctor came in. So it had been, by that point, it had probably been like 18 hours. And I remember like sleeping in the hospital room and like just anticipating, like having, like having to like tell her that or have her find that out after all that she had been through it had been so many years. And it's like, yeah. now this, like, so yeah. I can just see that that visual is so alive, you know, just you just kind of over in that makeshift bed while she's recovering and you're just kind of like not able to sleep or focus on anything else because yeah. there's this, this thing looming above yeah. you and, and yeah. your family. So yeah, that's yeah. a lot to hold. Yeah. It was, it, it was. And then when her, one of the, when her doctor came and we, and before, like when she was still in the surgery, um, my husband, my husband wasn't there. My dad and I had sat with her, her doctor and she had talked us through it. And she was like, I have never in my career, 
of operating on women with endometriosis, this has never happened before. Like they've never found something. It was just like, it was, well, she you had said it, it was a rare, it's a rare form of. Yeah. It's not even, I mean, yes, it is. I don't know if it's considered like a rare type of cancer. Like they classify rare cancers. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that it's, it's, it, the, the, the clinical name is endometrioid ovarian cancer which from what I understand comes out of endometriosis, hence the endometrioid part. Mm-hmm. It was okay. a more rare situation that someone with endometriosis would end up having cancer in this way. Um, so yeah. So then her, when her, her doctor came to tell her and I remember her and I was so worried about what her reaction and her response was going to be. And like, how was she going to take it? And she has to recover from this surgery. Now she has to deal with this. And it was just like, it was just like too much. It was like, how, how do you even like, what, how are you even like equipped as a human? And we are because people deal with the most unthinkable of situations and we survive it. Somehow your body goes into like survival mode. And I remember her being so calm. She was so calm. And I think because she had to like compartmentalize it. She had just been through a really major traumatic abdominal surgery. And it was like her body had to heal from that. And, you know, she never like lost it. She never like freaked. I mean, she did it later on a couple times, understandably. But like in the hospital then, she was just like, okay, well... Like, we'll, we'll deal with it because that's like how she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that just kind of came through and yeah, it was just, um, and then we went through all, all like the treatment and talking to different doctors and she, and she had, um, um, radiation and then chemotherapy. And now she still takes a, um, an oral chemo drug. Um, and yes, and and therapy, not uh, yeah, treatment was really really difficult. She had a lot of long term side effects from the radiation, especially um, the compression factors in her vertebrae, which happened af- far after the fact, and we didn't know about a whole. That was a whole thing. Um, pelvic radiation is, from what I have heard, one of the worst types of radiation because it's. Yeah, I mean, you've got those lasers like pinpointing where the tumor is, but it's cutting through every other abdominal organ. It's you can't pull those things apart. So the damage that happens to you know your your intestines and all of that is pretty significant. Yeah, so she's out of surgery. She's going to these treatments and. How, I'm just curious, talk a little bit about how you and your dad organized yourselves as a team, as a care team, um, especially because you have had a child at home and, yeah. you know, talk a little bit about how that went down because it's, I think it's really important for other, for others to hear like the kind of behind the scenes logistics, you know, and, and yeah. emotion, emotionally and, and mentally and logistically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. So I live about 25 minutes from my parents and um, I'm also an only child. So I'm also very close with my mom. <laughs> so there's kind of those three things that factored into it a lot. 
um, I took on a very significant role in her caretaking. My dad did more than me because he lived with her, obviously. Um, but I took on a lot. Um, before the surgery, I took her, she, there was a long period of time where she couldn't drive because of a combination of the pain and the medication that she was on. It was not safe to drive. So I took her to PT appointments, doctor's appointments, um, was heavily involved with a lot of that. And then once she started treatment, she was being treated. She started at Sloan Kettering and there's a Sloan Kettering facility five minutes from their house. Oh, that's really great. So that's where she had her radiation and radiations every day. Well, it's five, it's, it's five days a week. So hers was. So she ended up actually leaving Sloan Kettering and going, she now sees a doctor at Mount Sinai. We live like half an hour from New York city. So we have amazing access to the best medical care in the world, which is, we're so fortunate. Um, but so it was really like logistically to be able to have your treatment that you have to do every day. That's five minutes from your house was amazing. And my dad and I took turns. It was during the summer and Ben was at camp. And so it just worked. Like I took her a couple days a week and he took her a couple days a week. I mean, he definitely probably took her more than I did. I don't fully remember. I went with her to several multiple chemo infusions, um, and sat with her. And, um, so it was, it was a lot. And then there was also, I would spend a lot of time at their house, just like sitting with her and watching TV or, you know, whatever type of like support needed around the house, whether it was stopping at the store to pick stuff up or, you know, putting things away, laundry and whatnot. Um, and my dad was working. My dad still, he's going to be, I think be 71. He still works full time, but his job was really flexible and he worked really close to home. So he was able to do a lot. I mean, so we were so lucky and that we never needed to like bring in a nurse or anything like that because my dad and I were there. Um, but it was very stressful. Um, it was yeah. very hard at times. And my son at the time was in kindergarten and I was able to still like do what I needed to do with him. Um, at least as I recall, you know, at this point it's like three and a half years ago and I, some memories do like, or your, your perception of things does, of things does shift over time. Yeah, um, it does. He knew, and then, he, you know, my parents are very close with him and like, he knew that Nana was sick and Nana had cancer because she did lose her hair and, he definitely later on saw her without, I think he saw her without like a, a schmata on as we call it. Um, but like, yeah, I was there when she shaved her head. I went wig shopping with her, like all of that stuff. Um, and it was, it, it was a lot. It definitely impacted like my marriage, um, for a period of time. But I also think that like, that's, normal like certain things have to give and take and there's periods of times where things happen and your energy and focus has to go to that and you don't we don't have unlimited resources and unlimited energy it's finite and so my husband was amazing and super supportive and like fully understood that like most of my energy was going towards my mom i have take care of my mom i have my son and I have my work and I'm my husband. It was kind of like those four things. Not all four things are going to be coming to the top. It was like my mom and my son right. and my work. 
and Danny mm-hmm. kind of fell to the bottom for a period of time. And then, and then we came back from it. Like yeah. we've been married a long time. Wait, well, it's our 14th anniversary next week, actually. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So, thank you. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, there are sacrifices, obviously. Um, but I also feel really fortunate in that I've had friends go through very similar situations where they haven't lived close to their parent, like, like have been like airplane rides away and have had to, in some cases, like leave their home life and go stay with a parent for months at a time or not been able to do that for various reasons. And then they're dealing with this from like afar. So it's like everything has its own challenge and its own stress and, and all of that. And, um, and my mom was so incredibly grateful and appreciative for what I, I did for her. And yeah. said it to me. You have said, yeah, you've said some amazing things about your mom. Yeah, and- she she never took it for granted. So here's where we switch um, sessions, and I tried to edit it together so it would be understandable. But in case you get a little lost, this is where um, Jordana switches to talking about um, more about her experience and her view of how things were going with her mom. So enjoy the rest of the show. Her pain was so, so bad that it was like, I, I she didn't know, I didn't know, we didn't know if it was ever going to get better. And I just remember like, that like hit me and I just was like, I don't, you know, your body just physically reacts to things like mm-hmm. that. So that kind of was like, I was like, okay, I need to like get some help for myself. And I did. And um, so therapy was a huge part of it for me. And then it, 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 the therapy then overlapped into all these other facets of my life as therapy does. Um, but it was really important in my own self-care. Cause like, it's like the oxygen mask analogy, which is so cheesy, but so true. <laughs> you cannot adequately take care of another human being, whether or not they're, they are acutely ill or they're like homesick from school, like with a stomach bug. <laughs> Unless you are taking care of yourself and caregivers like wear themselves down, like you're in the hospital, you're not eating, you're not sleeping, like you're not doing any of these things. Well, how are you then going to take care of that person? They don't have the energy. They're sick. They can't show up in this way, but you know, you can. So for me, like my mental health at that time was, um, just something that I knew I had to prioritize in order to be able to continue like helping her in the way that I wanted to, in the way that she needed Um, getting, and I went to therapy every week for a long time, um, which was wonderful. And um, you know, I, it, it impacted so many facets impacted like my, my work and my relationship with my husband and, mm-hmm. you know, my son and all these things. And, and, and we came through it and everything, you know, in those moments and like that, like, it's also like life happens and you have to, you have to prioritize and you have to reorganize when something major is happening and that's, that's okay. Um, but then it's like, well, how do you then start to like shift back when things get better? It's like, how do you then mm-hmm. reshift those things? <laughs> that, that, that was mm-hmm. hard. Like once my mom was feeling better and she was doing better, it was like, oh, I don't have to like, be on like five alarm all the time. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, it's complicated. (laughs) It is. And you don't have a protocol the way that you're, there's no, no, you don't have an oncologist and a 
you know, and a social worker and all the things you get when you get cancer or whatever, you know, all the people that help you, you don't, you don't get those things. You just, you, all of a sudden you realize that this is what you're choosing to do. And this is, this is who needs you. And, um, whether it's your spouse or your parent or your child, and then you have to kind of navigate that and your own stuff. And that's so much. And I just always told my partner at the time when I was going through cancer treatment, was always like, I just, what can I do to help you? Because you're helping me so much. And it was kind of this back and forth thing. And, you know, when it's just interesting when you're caring for a parent and I've I've had many friends that have talked to me about this, that it's just, there's this special energy around parenting your parent in a way where you're not necessarily parenting them, but you're caregiving for them almost similarly to the way that you, would you, would you say that that came up for you at all? A hundred percent. There is a role reversal that happens. Yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't able to articulate it as that. I didn't even realize it. I think I actually had that realization in therapy one day and it was, it was like, right. I, I, I'm like in the role of, right. It wasn't, it wasn't parenting, but I, there was a period of time where things were so intense and she was so sick that I wasn't able to rely on my parents as my parents because Mm -hmm. they were, my dad was taking care my dad. I haven't mentioned my dad, but my dad was like full force into the, into this as much as, as much as I was and more, my dad's wonderful. Mm. Um, but they were, you know, and, and I get that there's, this is nothing that like I fault them for. I think it's like a natural thing that happens, but when you realize that that has happened, it's like, it's just, it's like an affront. It's just like, Oh, right. I'm, I'm, Mm. I'm kind of, I, my, my parents are not my parents right now. They can't, they, they can't be that. Um, and, and then it, it then it, you know, it, it made its way back, you know, like it kind of like righted itself. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's, and I think about, so I was 38 at the time and my mom was like 67. I think about like when this happens for like, people who are much younger than that, like a kid who's in their teens or twenties or even younger. And they have a parent who's ill and like what that, I mean, I was like a full adult with my own kid. You know, I had the faculties to kind of like deal with that, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Talk talk about your, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to see if you might want to talk about, um, your son and how, you navigated your mom's illness with him. Cause I'm assuming if you're close to your mom, then I'm, sh- I'm assuming your son is also close to his grandparents. Yes. Yeah. Very. So he was, he was young. He was fa- five. Well, he was younger than that kind of leading into some of this. And then oh, that right, year right. Yeah. It was 2018. So, well, he was like five and a half, six. And he, you know, he knew that she was sick and she wouldn't feel well, but we would, we would go over to their house and he would still be able to like sit and watch a movie with her or she could read a book with him. And so that like kept it normal for him. Um, we were at a point where he, he was already in school. So like when he was like a baby much younger, you know, she would, 
like help out a lot with like childcare. We were kind of beyond that. So there wasn't like a, there wasn't like a day-to-day change for him. There was like during times where I wasn't around as much, there was, there was that. Um, but he, he, and I, I remember talking to his pediatrician and telling the pediatrician about what was going on and like that my mom, you know, she, she lost her hair. Well, she sh- ended up shaving her head at a certain point. And then she wore, she had like the schmata things that she would wear and she <laughs> always kept those on around him. And I don't really remember him. Like he, he Ben's a really easygoing kid. Yeah. So he just kind of like went with the flow and he was still able to like see her and she was able to do a few things with him that felt normal, like playing a game or reading a book or watching a movie. And those are the things that they like usually do together. Um, So for him, it was, it was okay. Like there wasn't, you know, he was okay. Like now he's older, like last week when she was in the hospital you know, he's older. So I, you know, obviously choose how much detail I give to him, but like I did tell him and he was aware of it and, and asking about her and made mm-hmm. it hard for her. And, yeah. but you know, because it's, I believe like in being honest with kids, like not, I don't need to like tell him every detail, obviously, but I'm not going to sugarcoat things. <laughs> if his grandma's in the hospital and she's sick. If grandma's in the hospital. She's sick. Nana. That's what he calls her. Nana. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's because I think that that's part of like growing up and, and and learning and being resilient and understanding like how people deal with things. And so yeah. I think there's opportunities for him to see like how we handle things as a family and how we support mm-hmm. each other and take care of mm-hmm. each other and, and all of that. I love that so much. Yeah. So good. He's been, he, he, I've been really like, he's been great. My, my husband is amazing, like mm-hmm. incredibly supportive throughout all of this and, you know, I'm very lucky. Like, and I know you mentioned this before that when you were sick, that you're, you were saying to your partner, like, thank you. And and my mom would do that for me like a lot. She was as vocal as she could be given how she was feeling. She was always incredibly grateful and like fully aware of like what I was doing to, to take care of her. Um, So, you know, it's like, for me, like a big part of me, it's like, well, that's just like what you do. Like mm-hmm. this is your family. Like you show up and you yeah. do whatever you, you do, whatever you need to do. Obviously there's a lot of things that like a lot of byproducts of that. <laughs> and that's kind of like where all the complicated stuff comes in, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. And every, so. everybody's cancer. It's like, you're talking about the uniqueness of um, the story of your, your mom's just the cancer itself right? So just as different as our cancer cells are, because they're rogue cells, right? So just as different as our cancer cells are, our cancer journeys are. And, you know, at any given moment, things can change and get harder or get easier. And that just creates this really rich tapestry of um, a story that is, is really what you have given today is very beautifully told. And what I love is um, that kind of cancer has come in the middle of already a, a good relationship of loving your mom and caring for her already. And that there was already that, that story in place 
and that ability for you to show up for her and and it and it being traumatic of course but it, it was also you were already in that place of caring for her and i just it's so beautiful to see and to to have your mom close by you know yeah. to be close by there's not really how everyone lives you know people no, don't live in the same town with their parents so often and so i i love that part of your story um I would like to dive a little bit more into, and this will lead us to my last question, but I, I'd love to dive into um, a little bit more about how you care for yourself. So you talked about therapy, mm-hmm. but what are some other things that if you were to talk to other caregivers and there was no cancer patients in the room, <laughs> no family, but if you were to sit and have like a caregiver group chat, you know, what, what kind of things would you want to put on the table that you felt were really beneficial for you? That's such a good question. Okay. We already talked about therapy, so I won't repeat that. Um, I mean, obviously like basic self-care around nutrition and movements. Um, and I, and I can't, I gotta be honest, I can't sit here and tell you exactly what I did during that time. But I know that I kept up with what I was doing. I'm a big walker. Walking mm-hmm. is like my primary form of exercise and movement. And I also do some strength training. And I remember at the time I was doing a strength training program like at a gym on my own, but I was going to a commercial gym and like lifting really heavy weights. Right. And I remember I remember keeping up with that pretty well. Um those, those fundamental, like basic elements of just like being alive day to day of, of feeding yourself good food and moving your body go a really long way into how you're going to be able to feel and show up the whole, like, I'm so stressed. I'm so busy. I don't have time to eat. I don't have time to take care of myself. Like, Mm. like, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but like the glorification of that, that sometimes happens like the, like, I can't do this self-care thing because I'm worried about this sick person. Yeah. Like a little yeah. bit of like, like the martyr type thing. And look, I'm sure that I probably threw that in there somewhere because who doesn't? Like, this right. is not this <laughs> is not an attack on anyone. <laughs> no. When that becomes your main, your main like mode of operating, that's when it becomes an issue, right? Like, in order to like, in you have to be taking care of yourself. And that includes, right? So then beyond just like food and and movement, like your social life. Like I remember again, right before the cancer, a couple months, we had plans to go out to dinner with friends. And it was a day I remember very specifically was, was in February. It was a Friday night. It was a day that she was a really like rough day. She was really sick. And I was like, well, do I go out to dinner with my, do I, it was like, do I go out? Do I not go out? Do I need to be available by the phone? Am I going to be able to be present at this dinner? Like these were the things I was deciding. And I remember we went and we had such a nice time. They were our neighbors at the time. And it felt like so good to be out. Yeah. That like doing things that, that feel normal are important. And I know that's a very kind of vague and general statement, but it was also like my relationship with my husband, like my relationship with mm-hmm. my husband definitely took a huge, huge backseat during all this. Yeah. And so being able to do things like that, even occasionally helped to, you know, hold on to some part of that. Yeah. Um, Stay grounded in your life. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's a great, 
amazing way to articulate it. It's like, it's so, and for me, especially, and so much of it also is like personality based on who you are. I'm a, I'm an overthinker. I, I definitely, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have anxiety, but like around when it comes to my mom, I definitely like, you know, worry and think and, and overanalyze and, and all of these things. Um, and so doing things to stay present, like in my own life, that there was, you have a life as a person separate from the person you're taking care of. And I think that line gets so blurred. You become mm-hmm. so like enmeshed with that, to use a therapy term, with the person that you're caring for, that your life becomes their life. And so to the extent that you can have awareness around that, I think that's what therapy is really helpful for and maintain some like tenets and some like stakes in the ground around what your life is, is really important. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So you're really fresh out of this experience. And, um, it's like, so it's so nice to hear like really clearly, you know, what, you know, worked for you. I, I wonder, I don't know, just, this just crossed my mind. This might be a silly question, but, but not, maybe not, you know, how are you going to look back on this time? Like what kind of meaning and you, you, I mean, you won't really know until then. So that's why I felt like it was kind of silly, but if you look, if you're, if you know that you're going to look back on this, what, what kind of meaning or what meaning looking back from this point do you have? Um, and by meaning, I mean, like the feelings, the, not the lessons learned, but the insight gained, you know, because we can learn around, a lot about around, what like, to do. I'm sorry. Say that again. The last part. Can, yeah, we can learn about a, a lot what to do and we can we can put those things into place. But one of the things that I think is really beautiful for me in looking back on my journey and the people who I've talked to, you know, tomorrow's my 12-year cancer anniversary and I'm talking to people and they're looking back going, man, you know what really, what I learned watching you go through cancer is X, Y, Z. You know, like I learned that I wanted to be healthier or mm-hmm. I learned that no matter what, you know, to find laughter and ritual and mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that, you know, watching someone go through cancer from the outside, you kind of learn. So, you know, just maybe, I guess, just looking back on that now, what kind of meaning do you draw from that experience, if any? Of being a caregiver or watching or my mom, like, or both, I guess. All of it, just the whole experience, because there's so many layers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking for a moment. That's okay. I mean, I think one of them definitely is something we kind of already talked about, but being your own advocate Mm -hmm. and being connected to your body. Um, a lot of us are very disconnected from our bodies Mm -hmm. and being able to know what is pain, what is discomfort, what is work. Knowing those sensations sounds so like non-important, but it's actually really important. Mm. So important. Because it's like, this is your, this is like your body. Like this is what you are walking around. You get your one life. You're walking around in this 
in this form, you have to know what's going on in it so that you can trust your instincts or, or develop instincts, trust your instincts, be able to communicate with people, ask questions. Um, my mom's ability to do that was really impressive. Like, I don't even press it's not the right word, but like, so not like, you know, not underestimating. Like I, I hear so many stories of people who are like, oh, I was like bleeding from my vagina and I ignored it for like two months. And oh, <laughs> now I have stage four uterine well, cancer. Like, yeah. And there's, there's so much, yeah, there's so much, um, you know, what getting into that that's a whew, that's a whole other podcast episode yeah. but like the sto- the way that we're raised and the way that we're taught to think about our bodies and ourselves are yes. so it's so varied based on our socioeconomic situation yeah. religion um you yes. know trauma in our life our ability to really be bodyful and to have a bodyful re- a bodyfulness about our life you know it is Oh, you know, I mean, it can, it just, it can vary. And I, I, I love the evolution that we're going through and the revolution of in the wellness world, at least in the part that you and I live in is this, this place of kindness and this place of slowing down and listening and, you know, trusting that what you feel and what you have in your body is right. So when you trust, right, with, I'm just thinking about your mom. I want to meet her now. <laughs> I might have to interview her as well. But, you know, just to to be able to say, you know, and especially someone from our parents, our parents are the same age, but like that same, that generation, which is, <laughs> there's not a lot of advocating going on in that generation. and. I noticed that, you know, with my own family and cancer, but I, we're learning how to do that. And so to be able to see that in your mom and to remember it and to help her through that is just, it's just great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Um, It's one of those things where it's like, obviously you never want these things to happen, but then they do. And it's like, well, what am I going to get out of this? Like there has to be I think like there's, there's always something and I'm not going to call it like a silver lining, but there's oh, how, you know, why not? What? <laughs> why not? <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, like what, how is this going to change my relationship to myself, my relationship to, to my mom, my mom's relationship to herself. Like there's all of these, yeah. these things, like it's not just about going through and then recovering physically. It's, you know, and I also don't think it, I mean, for some people, I, I I think there is like a profound, like life altering thing that happens to them where they make a change in their career or, 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 or who knows, relationships, anything, you know, that, that didn't happen for my mom, but I, there are a lot of other, I think, subtler things and shifts and changes, um, things I learned about myself, yeah. about my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my mom, my mom and dad's relationship between each other. Yeah. And I think like taking the chance to, to see all that for what it is and is really important. Okay. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it right there because not the whole episode. I have one I have one more question, but I love yeah. that that's, that's what you gain from it. And I'm gonna just kind of repeat it back. Relationship, you know, a deeper understanding of relationships and change, and that change is it's not you know you can't go back. You know, it's that beautiful right. thing, and and maybe change is the silver lining when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? It's that mm -hmm. you know that it, things are going to go. They're not going to be the same. They're going to be different. Yes. Um, different yeah. So I want also, because I love the work that you do, and I, want, I wanted to kind of bring up this issue, and you mentioned it briefly about food and how nutrition and, and diet and the way what we ingest and what we take in it all comes up so often during cancer, whether mm -hmm. you're diagnosed with it or, you know, I'm sure if you're like an oncologist or someone who works with, you know, a nurse who works with cancer patients, you hear it all the time. You know, what, what can I eat? What, what is going to keep me from getting cancer? What's going to keep the cancer from coming back? Like so many questions mm -hmm. around nutrition or what did you eat? that made you get cancer, which is a horrible question. God, yeah. But, you know, or did you smoke? <laughs> you know, yeah. so all yeah. of these things around nutrition and wellness. One of the things I've, I've seen coming up in your work is the ability to have joy around nutrition and to have, um, have more of an experience with it versus it being this rigid protocol or almost like a reason to not be kind. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. So maybe speak to that for a few minutes and just um, give us your, give us your, your lowdown, the way that you work with people and sure. your feelings around that. Yeah. So I work with women um, who have been like lifelong chronic yo-yo dieters and have really mm. battled body image, which is that that's me. Um, women who have struggled with their weight, who certainly don't look like kind of what is stereotypically look defined as healthy and mainstream fitness. Um, you know, very thin, petite, small. Um, you know, I am tall and, and bigger bones. I'm a size 12 and have always been that way since I was in high school. And, um, you know, I battled a long time with food and dieting and rule driven, restrictive eating and feeling like I needed to eat a certain way. And then I would look a certain way. And what I realized through my own therapy and working with my own coach, and then now how I coach people is that eating nutritious food matters. Um, but what matters just as much is eating food that you love and enjoy and that is satisfying and that makes you happy. And those things are not mutually exclusive. They can and need to coexist for you mm -hmm. to be healthy, right? It kind of starts to this, into this conversation of like, well, what is health? Health is not just eating lots of vegetables and lean protein and like <laughs> right. it is one part of health and lots of other foods. But health is also your happiness and your enjoyment of the things that you're doing and the way that you eat. And this mm -hmm. then gets into like binge restrict cycles and disordered eating and all these things that we do, which 
take the joy out of eating and make food a lot about punishment and restriction. And to your point, like um, un- unkindness to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's a lot about what I encourage people to start to notice is how do you want to feel like when you eat and after you eat and how do you want to be showing up in your life? And what do you think that a certain number on the scale or tag in your pants, what is that going to bring you? Like, and, you know, just kind of looking at it through a lens of food as, as self-care and self-kindness. Um, and for some people that means that means weight loss and for some people it it doesn't um but moving away from kind of this restrictive black and white rule based thinking around what healthy is around mm-hmm. you know just eating like nutritious food is like all that matters and seeing enjoyment and pleasure and happiness around food as a part of being healthy yeah breaking bread and being with being with that experience of eating and yep. I, I don't mean breaking bread like actual bread, but that Having whole a meal that experience, yes. Yeah, that experience of being with your nutrition, the the why. I yes. mean some people eat because survive. <laughs> right. And some, you know, because they only have a certain amount of food and they're gonna put whatever they can in their body. A majority yes. of people on this planet, that is their life. Yes. And so just to be able to have a sense of gratitude for what you have to put in your body for those energy, that energy to get yes. through day to day. And so and that's not meant to be preachy. It's just meant like when I, you know, when I went through my cancer treatment, I when I start, when I got cancer, I was raw vegan. Okay. That's, (laughs) that's so abusive, (laughs) but not for some people, but for me, it was, I was, I was really trying to be some sort of righteous, um, eater, you know? And when I started going through cancer, cancer taught me how to be gentle to myself. I needed comfort food. I needed food that made me feel like I was, I was sick and getting better, like chicken noodle soup and things like that, you know, that I'd grown up on and I didn't, I didn't bat an eye. It was hard at first, but after I started eating and started feeling better and say like safer, my nervous system was like, Oh, thank, thank goodness you're eating mashed potatoes instead of raw beet chips, because this is really, (laughs) this is a really hard thing we're going through. So, you know, it wasn't really about what I was eating, but it was about how and why. So, yes. gosh, I love so much that you're teaching this because, you know, it's, it's just great. And I hope that anyone who is either, you know, coming off a of treatment or going into treatment and, and feels like they need a little bit of support. I'm a hundred percent sure Jordana doesn't specialize with cancer people going through cancer, but I'm a hundred percent sure that her content and her energy in the world could be of use for you. But also if you're a caregiver, hello, and you're trying to navigate somebody else's survival that, you know, finding people who are teaching you how to care, really care for yourself is just Mm -hmm. as important as caring for someone else. So I'm going to hundred percent promote your work 
um, thank you, Jordana. And, and so tell us how we can get in touch with you and find your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, the best way is I'm on Instagram a lot every day sharing things. Yeah. And my Instagram name is my first and last name at Jordana Edelstein. It's J-O-R-D-A-N-A. E-D-E-L-S-T-E-I-N. That's a lot of letters. That's okay. I'll <laughs> put it in the show notes. How about that? Yeah. Okay. And um, I have a website as well. It's the same thing, okay. uh, jordanaedelstein.com. But um, Instagram is where I'm like, that's where all the info, it's where all the conversation, all the good stuff where you can reach me. I love to connect with people, Yay. reach out. Always happy to, to chat and support. And um, yeah, that's thank you great. so much for those kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm so grateful that for your vulnerability today, for your um, willingness to speak to this experience that you've had with your mom. And I'm so grateful that she's here with us and doing as well as she possibly can. I hope that she's, I hope she's getting to spend time with her grandson as much as possible and um, that you're able to love and hold each other um, for, you know, as long as you can see way out to the horizon. Yeah. So you, so yeah. So you keep on being amazing, and thank you so much. And um, we, I look thank forward you for to listening to Cancer more. Pants podcast. Thank you All so much, Rochelle. This is great. All right. Information Bye. about the guest Bye. today can be found in your show notes. Go out and find the joy. Wear the pants. You are right where you belong. Take care.